So we're going to read in Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read a little quickly, but if you can follow along, starting in verse 1, it says this, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Turn with me over to verse 25. We'll continue the passage of Scripture here, where it continues like this. It says, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. Verse 27 says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb, dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's stop there in our reading. But what a blessing this passage of Scripture is. And one of the things I love about this passage of Scripture is some things we see about Philip, or rather some things we don't see. This passage of Scripture doesn't talk about how tall he was, how good-looking he was, or, or how well he spoke. It doesn't mention where he went to college. All we learn from this passage of Scripture is that Philip was willing to be used by God. And because he was willing, God was able to use him. You know, that's encouraging to me. Sometimes we struggle in life and we feel, how could God ever use me? The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I, ah, oh. but God wants to use us. And that's such an encouragement to me. We notice here that Philip had a singular focus, right? He had one mission and one objective, like we saw in the video this morning. That is to share the gospel of Christ with others. That was his focus, to preach Christ and make him 
known, and that really guided his life, didn't it? He, he had one focus, and when that is our focus as well, it makes life a lot easier. You know, we have all these decisions we make, but if we put them through the filter of Scripture and sharing the gospel with others, these things become a whole lot simpler. And, and that is what we ought to be doing to preach Christ and to make him known. I'm sure we would all understand today that that is what pastors should be doing. They should be, they should be preaching the gospel, right? And if pastor wasn't preaching the gospel or inviting people out to church or, or discipling, we, would, we might have a problem with that, right? We'd say, um, <clears throat> pastor, <laughs> there's some things. Okay, we would agree with that. But do we understand this evening that that's not just pastor's job? The Bible doesn't say, hey, pastors go into all the world and preach the gospel. But it's talking to everybody who knows the Lord as their personal Savior. That is our, our privilege that we get to be a part of. And, and we ought to be doing the same. 1 John 3.18 says it like this. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. A simple way to say that would be, stop just talking about it and let's do something, right? We can, we can sit in church and pray for our neighbor and pray for, for things and people we need, uh, not things, people we need to witness to, but do we actually do it? When was the last time we shared our testimony with somebody out there, right? In, in the world, in our job or, or with our family or wherever we are. It's, it's interesting, unfortunately, the world is becoming a crazy, terrible place. And when they think of Christians, what does the world think of? Unfortunately, often they, they know what we're against, right? I, I've been in many places where they say, hold on, you're, you're, a, you're a Christian? Like, like holy, you know, amen, hallelujah type? I'm like, uh, yeah, I was on a roof not too long ago, and this guy was having a conversation, a, a quality control guy, as I was installing something. He says, like a real Christian. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm a real Christian. He said, like, no smoking, no drinking, no going out and partying. And I said, no. <laughs> now, why is that? Why is that all they know? When I was a child, I had some friends that weren't the best. And sometimes they would try and invite me out to things. And my answer, my, my, my exit was, my mother won't let me. You know, that's what I would say. My mama won't let me do this thing. And unfortunately, that's what we do as Christians sometimes too, Right? Well, when we have an opportunity to, uh, to testify or say something, it's often, well, I'm not allowed to do this because I'm a Christian. And that's sad. I, I know that's something I've done before, and I ought not to. Instead of sharing the things that they would think we're restricted from doing, would it not be much better to share with them the love we have in Christ and, and the joy and the peace we have knowing Him as our personal Savior? I shared a bit about my past, but, but verses like the fact that we have a Heavenly Father who will never leave us, nor forsake us. That's a peace that I have. That's something that I can hold to and, and an encouragement I have and, and look to him for my strength and, and how to do things properly. And we find that in word of God, and that's a peace that we have and a joy we can have there in so many other verses. But Jesus spoke the truth in love, and, and we say um, 1 John 3.18 mentions the word love. The Bible says in 1 John 4.19, we love him because... Good job. Wow, that wasn't even planned. We, he first loved us. Again, that's our Heavenly Father showing us a pattern, right? And that's amazing. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. This is something that takes effort. It's going to take some, sometimes some cost, some sweat, equity, some, some work. But he showed his love to us 
by giving of, of himself, of his son, and that's, that's, that's huge. God loves us. Man, he loves us so much. So let me ask you this. How do we reciprocate that love? How do we try and show God that same kind of love? I would like to show him that I love him. How do I do that? Now, I understand he is a sinless, holy God, and he loves, he loves me? Man, that's, that's a raw deal, right? I am, oh, and he loves me. So, so how do we show that back? That's the question. Well, John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22, and we'll, we'll see what this says here. Of course, it's, it's a summation of the Old Testament, the, the Ten Commandments, and, and yes, we would understand very clearly here this evening that we're not under the law, we're under grace, and praise the Lord for that. But Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 starts like this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. But 39 continues, it says, And the second is like unto it, meaning these things work together here. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. One way that we show God love is by loving our neighbor, by, by loving those around us. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes, and in fact right now, we have people in our lives that we would consider are unlovely. You know what I mean? A, a neighbor, somebody at work who just drives you crazy. I mean, whenever you think about them, you just want to hug them around the neck a little bit, right? Those kind of people that just irritate us. And, 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 but the Bible says we need, to, we need to love them. But pastor, you don't know what they've done to me. I mean, they are always after me. Uh, okay, all right, I understand that. But God says we need to love them, right? And that's hard to do. But again, when I remember who I am and how I've sinned against a holy God, and yet he loves me anyways, it makes it a little easier, doesn't it? And, and we ought to love those people. And, and no, not just remember, this isn't something that God just told us to do. He loves them. He loves that person just as much as he loves you. And he died for them as well. We ought to share the love of Christ with them. Because Philip loved them and because he understood that just because it was difficult to preach in one area, it doesn't mean you should stop. He continued on. And he continued in this situation to preach the gospel. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. We see, see here, number one this evening, that Philip was and is a willing servant. We see that about Philip. It's an encouragement to me that he was just willing. Lord, whatever you have for me to do, I'll do it. Now, you might say this evening, really, Pastor? If it meant going from an area where my friends are being persecuted and put to death for their faith to somewhere else where when I preach, everybody listens, and lives are changed, who would say, sign me up? I'll go there. That sounds fantastic, right? But, but it's not just in those first eight verses we're talking about. Philip was willing to go to those areas, but in verses 26 and 27 and 28, when it talks about the desert, are we willing to go there? Now, now maybe you're a lot more spiritual than I, but sometimes I struggle with God. I think... Are you sure? Like, you want me to go 
to the desert. You, okay, you see what's going on over here, right? People are getting saved. Lives are being changed, and, and I'm kind of a big deal. You want me to go to the desert? What do we do in those times? Do we follow God and obey him in those times as well? He understood here. He was a willing servant. And I'm so thankful for that. He was a willing servant. And we also understand, number two, number two, that we see in this passage of Scripture a wanting sinner. Right? And we would understand that the world is full of people that need the gospel. People that need to hear the promises and the truths of Scripture and that God loves them. In Belize, where we serve, it's a rough place. Sometimes there's a lot of people that are just down and out. It would be considered a third world country. Unfortunately, in that area, there's not a lot of jobs. Some people would say not a lot of hope. So in those areas, they turn to the bottle. It's very easy to find alcohol, to try and drink away your struggles, maybe to, to, to forget who you are, about the pain you're in, whatever that is, or to try and fill that void in their life that they feel something is missing. Now, but that's not what we see in Scripture here, is it? This man isn't, isn't down and out. He's, he's got it made, right? Th- this man's got position. He, he's, he's in charge of all this treasure. He's got prominence. Everybody knows who this guy is. And he's got some possessions. I, I guarantee you, I'm, let, me, let me say it like this. I like trucks, okay? I'm a pickup kind of guy. And I would like to believe this guy probably had a pretty nice vehicle as well, okay? I mean, he was in charge of all her treasure. He probably had to carry it from place to place. I guarantee as far as chariots go, he probably had the best. But he wasn't fulfilled, was he? He was still searching. He was still trying to figure out that one area in his life that he couldn't fill. And this is why Philip went. God directed him because he was willing and because he realized that all around us, wherever we are, are sinners in need of a savior. And we would understand this evening, I believe, that all around us, there is a world full of people searching for answers. Unfortunately, all too often, I think they're met with Christians, though, who get too busy. We can get busy, can't we? We get busy with our jobs, our our hobbies, or really a lot of things that are a distraction from that main task, right? Oh, it's frustrating. But, but we, get it, we get involved with work and, and get busy with these things. And now you would just say, does that mean, Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't work? No. No, the Bible talks about the fact that we do need to work. In fact, if you don't work, neither shall you eat. I like to eat. We had a great meal this afternoon. And we need to be working. And that job is to take care of our daily needs, but also is used as an extension of who we are, Right? Um, there are people that I can reach in roofing that, that you won't talk to because maybe you won't climb a ladder. I don't know. Or maybe there's people at your post office or your job or your coffee shop that they will never listen to me. But they see you. And they see that testimony that you have. And we all have this opportunity. Our job is not to find our identity, our happiness, or a fulfillment, but rather as an extension of who we are so that we can share the gospel in that area. Number three, here we see a witnessing spirit. We see the Holy Spirit working in a few different ways in this passage of Scripture. Firstly, in the life of the lost. This man was searching, right? He was searching for answers, and we know that, that God put that in him. He knew there was a void in his life, and, and what's encouraging to me is the fact that God wants to see people saved. 
He wants to see people saved more than I do. And that's an encouragement. And he is at work here, firstly, uh, in the life of the lost. Secondly, through God's word. And God's word is just that. It's the word of God. It's powerful and it's life-giving. It answers all of life's questions. And I'm so thankful that it's at work in this passage of scripture here as it says he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Finally, by speaking through the life of the believer. May I point out that God maybe brought Philip, Philip along for a reason. You know, first of all, we understand he's willing, right? Philip was willing to go so God could use him. And I'm thankful for that. But I wonder, like I said, my, my mind is kind of interesting t- sometimes. I wonder why did God use Philip in this situation? Now, we understand the desert is a physical place here in this passage of Scripture, right? But have you ever had your own desert in life? Your own struggle, your own hardship, your own thing that you wish you'd never gone through. We all have to some extent, right? Do you know that's part of your testimony? You can share that with others and say, you know what? Actually, I do know what you're going through. Let me show you how God changed my life. And we can point them back to the scripture and we can use those hard times, those desert places in order to be a testimony to somebody else and share God's love and God's promises with them. I'm so thankful for the opportunity we've got to do that. Would I encourage you tonight to do a few things? Would you pray with me that God would bring people across your path to witness to, to to share the gospel with? Now you say, well, well, that makes sense. But you could also argue the fact that God already brings people across our path, right? And so often we just, unfortunately, don't take those opportunities. I know that's something in my own life I need to work on, making use of those opportunities to share the gospel with others. And then secondly, realize it's God's job to bring them to himself. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is an encouragement to me in two different ways. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, like I mentioned at the start of the message, I struggle sometimes with, God, are you sure you want to use me? Right? Are you sure? What this passage of Scripture is so empowering, is that the right word? Because we understand that God wants to use us and then finish his work. Because we understand that we are partners with God, and really we understand he just wants us to be willing and share the message. He does all the heavy lifting, right? I can save no one. It has to be the Holy Spirit working in their life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, says this, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. That's humbling, but it's also encouraging to know that he just wants us to be faithful. He just wants us to be willing to do wherever he, whatever he wants us to do, whoever he wants us to share the gospel with or pass out a track, because he does the work. What an encouragement that is. Well, you say, well, who can I reach? Uh, maybe you say, I- I'm, not, I'm not somebody special at all. You don't have to be a big-name preacher to make a difference. Sure, Philip was reaching those hundreds in the, in the first area, right? But then that one. We don't know who we're going to reach. We just have to be willing to be faithful. It could be somebody that we reach 
who maybe 10 years, 20 years down the road come back and says, hey, you know what? You shared that gospel track with me. And, and now God has used me to do and reach these, this, this group over here. Think of this Ethiopian eunuch who he could have reached in a different area of the world and the gospel presented and shared there. And it goes forward like that. And I'm so thankful for that. Lastly, this evening, we have a wonderful story, don't we? The story of the gospel is a story that cannot remain silent. God desires it to be proclaimed through the world, through the written word, the Bible, and through the life of every believer. That is our privilege. You've heard it said, you might be the only Bible that somebody will ever read. That should be an encouragement and maybe a little scary too, right? Because sometimes I am not the best example. But we ought to be striving towards that end. And we ought to be peculiar. We ought to be a little different. They should see Jesus in you. They should see a change. Matthew chapter 5 says it like this. I'm going to close with this. We'll read this passage of Scripture, and we'll close. But it says this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, says it this, like this. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Philip was a willing servant. And because he was willing to be used by God, God was able to get a hold of him and do some great things in spite of himself. It's humbling and it's encouraging to me to see how God will use anybody who just wants to be a faithful servant for our Lord. Would you bow your heads? You can stand with me this evening as we go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And maybe you're thinking this evening, well, I can think of this person I could talk to or, or that person that I could maybe share the gospel with. Or, you know, Lord, I haven't been doing what I had to be doing. There's, maybe I'm slipping a little bit. I just want to encourage you this evening with the fact that God wants to use you. God wants to work through you. As the instruments play this evening, would you take a moment and just ask God maybe who you can, who you can witness to and, and to, to get his power and to, to be able to share in the life of others what God might have been doing through you recently as you can share that testimony and maybe see what God would do through you.